Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission, in our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. I'm actually going to have the congregation be seated for this reading. It is quite lengthy, and in actuality, it is, it's all right, Jim, it's, it's a gospel. I know you're standing in your heart. <laughs> it is the longest conversation that Jesus has in the New Testament. And there's actually even, on top of this, 12 more verses that, uh, because I'm the world's greatest pastor, cut those out. So, so, you're, so this is as long as it gets. For conversation. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to come have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. 
They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace and peace to you from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So we are a little over a third of the way through our Lenten journey toward Easter morning. It's really uh, a Lenten journey toward Good Friday, though, toward the cross. It is the cross that defines this season. We are to reflect, as I've said before, these 40 days about what pushes Jesus to the cross and what role we have to play in that. It is a season of repentance. It's about being honest with ourselves about what's not working, being honest about our problems. Now, I had a problem that started many years ago, but I was honest about it, and I fixed it. Here's what it was. I had a problem getting my kids to eat dinner, dinner that I had prepared for them. Anybody have this problem? Well, you're in luck because I'm going to tell you how to fix it. Here, here's what I did. Every night, I prepare a well-balanced meal. I start with steak that I have marinated to perfection. Then I grill it, medium rare. I serve that alongside a salad with a homemade vinaigrette. Then I finish it off with just a small helping of fresh steamed vegetables. And after I've done all that, I prepare a box of 75 cent macaroni and cheese <laughs> that I serve my children in place of this beautiful meal that I prepared. Two meals, that's the fix. I make two meals every night for 23 years. I haven't fixed my problems. Truth is, I've come to identify with my captors. <laughs> it's easier to give in to their demands for terrible processed food than to push the big fix. I know what they'll eat, and simply preparing that is easier. The comfort of predictability can be a very hard prison to escape. That is this Exodus story that Amy read. The Israelites live so long in slavery that they long for the predictability of it even when they are free. Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill our children and livestock of thirst? They're thirsty, something that would have never happened in Egypt because, of course, Pharaoh is not going to let slaves be thirsty. They're really not very good workers that way. So, of course, Egypt was generous with water. And after generations of being provided for, the Israelites have no idea how to secure their own water, and so they grumble. And here's what I find interesting. God employs terrible parenting, not unlike 23 years of preparing two meals. God simply gives in. Instead of pushing them to figure this out, he has Moses take the staff and strike a rock and water springs forth. It's a quick fix, 
and nothing is learned. They will not stop grumbling after this. And the truth is, God in Exodus is playing the long game, the generational game. God knows they're going to wander in the desert for 40 years, and he knows that he is going to lose a generation of people to slave mentalities. That is it entirely possible to be free and yet still in a prison. And the fix will only come when the ones who enter Canaan were never slaves in the first place. That is the harsh truth of how God deals with grumbling people in the Old Testament. He loses a generation. A generation of people who will not get to experience full freedom in the promised land. They're trapped in a prison of their own choosing, and there they'll stay. And I so totally get that. It reminds me of chicken casserole. When I was a little girl, I used to stand at the stove and watch my mother prepare supper. And one of her favorite meals to make was chicken casserole, and I watched her prepare it. I saw the can of cream of celery soup. Ugh. Go in. And so I refused to eat it for my entire childhood. Now, my mother did not make a second meal for me, but she did allow me the freedom to not eat what she put in front of me, to just go hungry. And so I never ate her chicken casserole. I just went hungry. A generation lost to chicken casserole. That's the Israelites. Let it not be with you, God says, when he sends us Jesus. In Jesus, he does a new thing. In Jesus, God will no longer be content to play the long game, to lose one person, let alone a generation. In Jesus, not one sheep will go missing without being chased down. Not one coin is lost, not one prodigal son abandoned. And not one woman will leave a well thirsty. That is what our gospel story is all about. There are so many reasons Jesus could simply ignore this woman and take the path of least resistance. She's a woman. Everybody knows the problem with that. She's a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans don't mix. And Jesus is exhausted. He has been traveling all day. It's noon. It's the hottest part of the day. And he's clearly just in need of a break and a drink, not the longest conversation in the Bible. It's up to Jesus here. He could be totally willing to let this opportunity pass him by. But, but, but God in Christ Jesus does not let one life go to waste. He pushes past all the reasons why it's hard. And he pursues this woman's heart. Determined to give her the living water only he can get in the face of all the reasons he could let her go, Jesus summons a sense of urgency and brings it to bear on her life. And listen, I have no idea what is really wrong with this woman. I don't. It says, it just says she's been married five times. But that, that could be that her previous five husbands have all died and she's unlucky. Or maybe they're divorced 
and she's, or she's been divorced all these times because she's barren. So she's not healthy and she's not well. Or maybe she's a harlot. That's possible too. We don't know. Same way I don't know where it is that you are thirsty in life and what you come here for. We just know that she shows up at that well physically thirsty only to find out that she is thirsty in a way that nothing in life has been able to quench up to this point. And she has a choice, a choice to make, to continue drinking from the same old cup she brought to the well or give her life over to the cup of salvation that Jesus is offering. She has a choice. And at first, she fights it. She clings to her old cup. And I get that, too. So I leave home at 18. I'm gone for about six months before I come home to visit. And by that time, I am craving my mom's home-cooked meals. But what do you think she makes that first night I get home? (laughs) Chicken casserole. So I sit there. And I just fume at her. You know I'm coming home. You know I hate this crap. But I am so desperate for something other than junk food. So I try it. It was heaven. (laughs) It was an instant recognition of what a stubborn fool I have been. And how easy the choice actually was once I had this good food. And the truth is, I could never go back to a life without chicken casserole. I will take the living water, she tells Jesus. And we don't know what that living water is that Jesus gives to her. Is it forgiveness that she needs? Is it healing that she needs? Is it a safe relationship? We don't know. Nor do we know what her life looks like when she gets back to town. It's a blank page. We just know that somehow drawing close to Jesus changes her, fundamentally, for the better. Experience the mercy and love of Jesus does that, and his sense of urgency to save the one standing in front of him is her salvation. And it is that same sense of urgency that has taken him to the cross for your sake. His relentless journey to the cross these 40 days is all about Jesus not letting anything get in the way of where he's going for you. Not your sin, not your doubt, not your past, nothing. Jesus goes to the cross to transform your life, your heart, your future. And when we get that, when we grasp that truth, our faith instills in us the same sense of urgency that Jesus has, only we act it out on behalf of our neighbors. I was given the smallest little reminder of what that looks like this week. So we have in our congregation a family who doesn't speak English. And much of what we say and do in worship is certainly tough for them to grasp. And I have not given this a lot of thought because I know they're learning and in time they'll understand. In time. But a few days ago I got a text from one of you a fellow parishioner, and she says, can I get your sermon for this Sunday early? And I was like, oh, well, of course. You're going out of town, and you don't want to miss it. 
And she says, no. I want to give, I want to, it'll, it'll give me time to translate it for this family so they can follow along on Sunday. Not one moment lost. Not one generation lost. Urgency. Urgency. When Jesus is operating in your heart, your faith won't be about comfort or predictability. It will at times be about urgency. And that's not always going to be easy, and it isn't always going to be peaceful or without cost, but it is somehow going to be good. And it is life Jesus is calling us to, a people who are not content to see one life, one moment, one heart lost. Make us an urgent people these 40 days, gracious God. This Lent and always. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you, and I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be. Mm -hmm.